morning, Crestview. It's great to see you. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here. If you're new with us this morning, I'd love to meet you, and I'm grateful that you're here. If you have your bulletins, that third flap on the inside, take that and um, tear that out, fill that out, put that in the offering when it goes by later. Um, Hey, I made a promise to you that if things changed out on our relocation project, if um, we'd keep you updated on things that are happening with that. And so this last week, Steve um, drove by the property and um, discovered that, yeah, things were getting started. And this is the sign that we are officially a job site and a project now. And so he took this picture um, and sent it to me. It, it's the first sign of real construction, all right? When that goes up, then everything else is followed right behind it. And they have started to move dirt. There's some really cool things happening. I'm excited about this relocation, relocation project and what we're doing. In fact, most of you, hopefully you got one of these in the mail, a letter from me, as well as one of these Beyond Us cards. So we've been in this series. We did this a year ago, and our church made some commitments a year ago that launched us into this project. Say, if, if our church is behind this, and we're grateful for for your commitments and um, for your offerings toward this. I'm very gracious towards that. And, and that's your commitment to that is why we can move forward. And I'm thankful for you on it. But we're doing this as a one-year update. And so we sent these back out saying, are you going to continue on that commitment? And whether you mark that box or not, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to count you in that your commitment a year ago is still good. Um, but if God has blessed you and you want to increase that for this next year, there's a place for you on that. Or to make an initial commitment. Maybe you weren't a part of that a year ago. And we want to encourage everyone to be a part. I don't want you to be left out on this. At some level, some way, um, join us on this journey as we relocate. And there's some of these cards um, on either side of the room on the table if you want to jump up and grab one. I'm not going to mention it again, but during our offering time, this is a time where you can put that commitment in there. Um, and then we'll help you through that time period. So this is what we've been doing. This Beyond Us. We did this year ago, and we're doing a catch-up today. What Beyond Us really means. And for us at Crestview, our strategy is this. And I know many of you have heard this. Discover, develop, and deploy. No matter where you're at on your faith journey, these are the things that we want you to be doing. And we believe that you can Anytime you can discover something new about God every single morning, he can reveal something new to you. And also with that idea, in order to grow, to develop, to advance in whatever, you have to, you have to take a risk. You have to discover something else and keep walking into that discovery time with God. This is what we see in our Sunday morning. So most of the new people that come will come during a service like this. And we want them to discover us as well as discovering God in that. Last week we talked about develop. You don't just put your faith in Jesus. You have to develop that faith as well. And I use this comparison like our new building. As we relocate, they're not just going to pour a foundation. I'm not going to tell you, you know, in five years, hey, drive by the the property and look at the foundation. Yay, look at, you know. No, we're going to build on that. And I think it's the same with your faith. You've got to lay a foundation, discover God, and then grow your faith. Develop that faith um, and follow him. Last is deploy. What the foundation you have and what you have built your faith on, you have to do something with it. I think God has intended us to use that. It should flow through us. 
I know um, I embarrass my wife sometimes when I use this illustration, but I think about it as the concept of spiritual constipation. And sorry, I didn't try and connect the picture to that at all. It's just a coincidence today. But think about it. If you just discover and develop your faith and you don't let it flow through you, what good is that? God wants to use you and you have to let some of that go. You have to deploy for him so that he can fill you back up. And so this is what we do, no matter where you're at, to discover, to develop, and to deploy. And I believe this, that God, Jesus, actually gave us two very important commissionings. In two different places in Scripture, he gave us these commissionings. And the two major um, places where we are to be a witness, number one is to our neighbor. We have to go to our neighborhood. We have to go to the people that we do life with, that we work with the people that we live by, the, our families, the people that we do life with, these are the people that we need to share this message of love and hope with. But that's not all. He also gave us another commission, which is to go to the world. And we can't do one without the other. It's not that we focus in on one and leave the other one out. We do both of these. And I'm excited to be a part of a church that cares about our neighbors and our community. But I'm also excited to be a about a place that cares about the world and what we do around the world. So just a few weeks ago, we had five of our ladies from Crestview that went on a trip to Italy to visit some of our missionaries that work with Pioneer Bible Translators. So Natalie and Taylor, if you want to come on up. Natalie and Taylor, um, who's part of the staff here at Crestview, they went on this trip and they're going to share with you what they did with Pioneer Bible Translators and how... I love this about Crestview, our missions, what we do. And if you don't know this, this is pretty special for us. 15% of everything that comes in for us as a church into our general offering goes back out to somewhere else. And we want to set that example as a leadership and as a church to say we believe in um, missions. We believe in giving. We believe in tithing. Even as a church, we give on to other missions work. So 15% of what comes in as a church goes back out to uh, missions around the world and even local here some of the things that we're doing it's a pretty cool deal i've heard of other churches that do just a little bit more but many churches don't do 15 percent. so this is pretty cool about crestview so next year because of what came in last year next year our budget for missions is we plan to give away seventy-two thousand dollars to help spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus around the world. So everything that you give is a part of that. And we support a church and a seminary in Ukraine. We support a hospital in Zimbabwe. They're doing amazing things. I love listening to stories about the hospital. We support what you just heard about, Bible translation that's going on. Not, it's not just in Italy. That's their home base, but it goes out through that area. There's a school in Senegal that Crestview supports, a Bible college right here in Manhattan, um, close to my heart, a village in Ghana, um, and they're doing some pretty cool things there in a children's home in Oklahoma. And I love their mission and their vision and what they're doing with kids in Oklahoma. Um, and that's not just in Oklahoma. That's from around the United States. They travel in for this. But locally as well, Shepherd's Crossing, Homestead, Relate 360. Guys, we are behind some people that are doing some specialty things. And better than us trying to do something and not be very good at it, we have decided to look towards others and say, you're really good at this. Why don't we support you as you do that and make that the best it can be? So getting behind that. But I'm also excited about what we do as a church. 
and our relocation project, we have potential to reach thousands. And even though I know it's close, it's just on the other side of town, but yet the potential there is amazing. One of the fastest growing areas in the state of Kansas is right in the area where we're moving. Um, And I'm excited about this. So I've shared these statistics with you um, before, but I want to bring them up again because I think it's important for us to hear. Um, Grace Baptist Church here in Manhattan did a survey um, just a couple years ago. And we were part of this as a church, but they, they surveyed just the areas 66502 and 66503. So it's just Manhattan proper, and we're staying in 66502 when we move, but we're closer to St. George and Walmigo in this, so this number could increase. But they found out that the population of Manhattan is just over 66,000 people, probably just a little bit more than what is there, because I think it's grown since their survey. 66,000 people. But they also called around, and they got numbers from every Bible-believing church in Manhattan, and what they came up with, they, they asked for the average attendance on a Sunday morning, and they allowed for margins, so there were some churches that didn't respond, and they allowed for that, and they put some numbers down for them, their best estimate. But what they came up with was that 9.6% of the people in Manhattan go to church on Sunday morning. Now, I'm as cynical as the next guy, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, let's push back on those numbers. All right, let's round it up to 10, all right? Pastors count. 10, um, 10 people were here, right? So they, well, let's round it up, 10%. And let's say this, that that's just who attends. That's the average attendance. But there's more people that belong to that church. They just don't go every Sunday. So let's, let's just, for fun, let's double it, okay? Let's say that if we're a church of about 400, that really we'd be a church of 800. So that should be our number. So if we double this number, right? Yay, 20% of the people in Manhattan attend a church on Sunday morning. It's not good enough. We've got to do better as a church And I believe when Jesus calls us to do this, we need to listen. And he did this. And Matthew was the one that recorded this. He was talking about Jesus, chapter 9 of Matthew. He went through the cities and villages. Jesus was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, the kingdom of God. He was healing diseases. Um, he, He saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. His heart broke for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord, the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. I think he was talking about Manhattan. There's plenty. There's plenty of people that can fill the seats in a church that can come and be a part of this. And I believe that it's important. I believe that church is important, and I believe we need, we need to be a church. Yes, we need to go, but we need to be a church as well. And I think this, the bride of Christ is something special. And I, I want to say it this way. If you hear other pastors, if you hear other people just talk about the concept of going, that, that that's the most important thing, um, don't be deceived by that. Yes, going is very important, but so is this. So is the church. The bride of Christ is extremely important And we can't just go, we have to come together as well. And we have to be a church so that when we go, we have something to share. And we have something to bring them to and for them to be a part of. 
So Jesus sends out the 12, but he doesn't do it um, unknowingly. He doesn't just send them out. He helps them. He teaches them. Matthew chapter 10 is where he does this. It says he sends out the 12 disciples Them. He tells them to go. This is in Mark 6. This is also in Luke 9. In fact, in Luke 10, it says he sent out 72. And I don't think it's a contradiction. I believe Jesus probably sent out his 12. He sent out others. He sent out more. He sent out the larger crowd to say, go and tell these people. And I don't think they were probably ready I don't believe that the 12 disciples were ready to go out and share this news. He had done some teachings. He had done some healings in front of them. But they probably weren't ready to share yet. They were probably scared and nervous. But I've heard this from coaches before. Um, You can't just practice all the time. Just practicing is no fun. You want to play a game, right? Let's play. Let's play. And then when you play, you come back and you practice differently. You've learned now what I have to be ready for. And practice changes because you played the game. And I think Jesus is saying, go and play. And then come back and we'll learn some more. And then I'll send you out again. So I want to do something with you this morning that I've never done at Crestview. I've been here about 17 years and I've never done this. Um, But I want you to hang tight with me through this. I'm going to read most of Matthew chapter 10. I usually don't read this long of a passage. And the reason is because I like to preach, which means I like to read a little bit and then break it down and and say, this is what we can learn. This is what we see. We break down um, the passage. So we take it in bite-sized chunks. But I want to read the whole thing to you this morning. And I want you to feel the weight of what's going on. And I want you to use good biblical interpretation as we do this. So you've got to understand this. These are the words of Jesus that I'm going to read to you. So these are the words that Jesus said to his disciples. But I want you to know it was to his disciples at a specific time. It was to a group of people at a specific time. And they were living in a different time than we are now. So his direction to them, although the overarching theme is the same, some of the specifics might be different than if he were here today with us. He might say it just a little bit different because it's different today than it was then. So we've got to feel and sense the bigger picture of what he's trying to get at. Um, The first time Jesus commissioned, it was local. It was just in your local community with them. The next time he said it was global. And so it takes on a different effect. So as I read this, I want you to, to hang with me. Um, if you're like, man, he just keeps going and going and going. Absolutely. Hold with me through this time period, and I think we'll learn something through it. I'm also going to read out of the message. This is a transliteration. So it's not a word-for-word translation from the original text. This is somebody that took different versions of the Bible and then rewrote that for a better understanding of the language that we might use today. So it's called the transliteration in this from the message. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. This is his charge to them. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, the confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so you should live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. 
And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. So travel light. When you enter a town or a village, don't insist on staying in a luxury inn. Get a modest place with some modest people and be content there until you leave. When you knock on a door, be courteous in your greeting. If they welcome you, be gentle in your conversation. And if they don't welcome you, just quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene, just shrug your shoulders and be on your way. You can be sure that on judgment day, they'll be mighty sorry. But it's not your concern now. Stay alert. This is hazardous work that I'm assigning you. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't call attention to yourselves. Be as cunning as a snake, inoffensive as a dove. But don't be naive. Some people will question your motives. Others are going to smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul you before civil authorities. Without knowing it, they've done you and me a favor. They've given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The spirit of your father will supply the words. When people realize it's the living God you're presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good, they're going to turn on you. Even people in your own family. There's a great irony here, proclaiming so much love, but yet experiencing so much hate. But don't quit. Don't cave in. It is well worth it in the end. It's not success that you're after in such times, but it's survival. So be survivors. And before you run out of options, the Son of Man will have arrived. You see, a student doesn't get a better desk than their teacher, and a laborer doesn't make more money than their boss. Be content. Pleased, even when you, my students, my harvest hands, get the same treatment that I get. If they call me the master, stupid, what, what can the workers expect? Don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything is going to be out in the open, and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of the bullies. There's nothing that they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul in his hands. You see, what's the price of a pet bird? Some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. He pays even greater attention to you down to the very last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all the bully talk. You are worth more than a million birds. Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'm going to cover for you? Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, to make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and, father, bride and mother-in-law. Cut through those cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. And if you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. And if you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. We are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one and the one who sent you. 
Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. And this is large work that I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by it. And it's best to start small. Just give a cup of cold water to someone who is thirsty. Because the smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. I hope you felt that as I was reading. Just the heaviness of what he was doing. And the teaching that he was given. And I believe it probably took him maybe a couple days to give this teaching. And to share with them. And maybe, just maybe, it was too much. I don't know, I doubt it. It was Jesus. He knew what he was doing. But maybe it was too much. Emma, so when Emma went on this trip to Italy, um, this was her first time to fly. Her first time to ever fly, she flies from Manhattan to Italy. You see, our family lives close, so we don't have to fly to get to other family. And uh, every vacation that we've taken as a family, we've driven to. So here she is, an 18-year-old that's never flown before, and her parents thought it was best to give her advice. So we kept giving her advice days, weeks before it happened. Um, right, we'd give her advice on how to pack, what you should pack on a carry-on versus what you pack when you, you know, check in luggage. We gave her advice on you know, just what to pack in a carry-on, what you're going to need on the airplane. We talked to her and we gave her advice about how to get through security. We gave her advice on what to do when she was on the plane. We gave her advice on what to look for when she was in an airport terminal. And I'm, I'm not sure that I ever heard it out loud, but I'm pretty sure under her breath she said, just shut up, jeez, come on. I never heard it, but I, I know she was thinking it, right? Mom, Dad, dude, I got it. Chill out. I'll be fine. But as parents, we were concerned, and we wanted to give her all the advice that we could give her to help her on her journey. I believe Jesus was doing the same thing with his disciples. But at some level, I wonder if he was saying, look, no excuses. No excuses. I have covered it all. You guys can't come up with anything that I haven't taught you already. You have no excuse to not go and share this message with someone who doesn't know it. And I think he's saying it to us. He said it to them, right? What if people don't like us? What if we feel threatened? What if people do like us? What if they want to hear more? Jesus has covered everything with them. You've got no excuse Go and do it. Someone needs to hear about Jesus. You've got no excuses. The message is worth it. Here's the crazy part. Jesus trusts us with this message. He has given it to us and said, I trust you that you're going to share it with somebody else. We're going we're to be accountable to this someday. We're going to have to come back to him and give our report of how we shared this message He's even said, if people don't accept it, don't, don't worry about it. Move on. Go to the people that do. But tell your story. Tell someone. And he promises he'll be with us. He'll give us what we need to get there. We have no excuses. So I'm going to do this this morning for all of you. I'm going to commission you. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to commission you guys as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
My commissioning is this. Um, you are all on the welcome ministry team here at Crestview. Every single one of you. You might not stand at a door or hand anything out, but you are on the welcome team. So if you're here and you see somebody that you don't know, go talk to them. Maybe they have a question and you can, maybe if you don't know the answer, you can find it. Wave me down and I'll come help. Maybe you're going to introduce yourself and they're going to have been here longer than you. And you're going to find and meet somebody. You might have a question for them, all right? But you've got to be thinking about welcoming others when they come here. I'm going to do this as well. Steve didn't know I was doing this this morning, but um, you're all on the worship team also. You might not get a mic. You might not stand on stage. And if you did get a mic, they might turn you off in the back, um, right? But you're on the worship team. When you stand in here and you sing, it encourages the people around you. Worship. There's something about it. Now, I believe that many of you need to be on the children's ministry team. Not all of you, because you haven't had a background check yet. We do that for safety for our kids. So let's get a background check on you, and then you can, you can hold some babies. You can teach. I believe it's a better benefit to you than them as well. When you teach somebody else, you learn more oftentimes than they do. So this is for you and your spiritual growth. Taylor would love to have you as part of the um, kids team here at Crestview. But it's not just here at Crestview. It's out in our community. Our um, women's ministry here, I don't know how often it, this happens, but I know that they have a sign-up where they take a meal to the homeless shelter every few weeks, once a month, something like that. And you don't have to be part of the women's team to do this. If you want to do that, you can just let them know, and you can sign up for one of those spots. And if enough people sign up, we'll take on more, and we'll take food to the homeless shelter through Crestview. We're doing, um, next week you're going to hear about this, we're going to do a backpack food drive for our schools. So our schools here in Manhattan, we're going to collect some food. It'll be specific. You're going to get some instructions on this. And so over Christmas break, these kids will take home a backpack full of food, the type of stuff that they would usually get at school. They're not going to get that at school and they might be home alone. This is some food to help these kids out. We're going to do that as a church. But it's not just what we do as a ministry, an organized event as a church. You don't need my permission to go and do this stuff. Just go. I know about a lady here at Crestview. I don't know if she's still doing this or not. But for a while, she was just going down to the homeless shelter and cutting hair. That's what she does for a living. And she would just just go down there and volunteer and cut it was not a Crestview program. She just did it. I know about another couple that said they, just, they drove down to um, the Flint Hills bread basket, and they said, what do you need? And they said, we need some people to drive. And so they were driving meals and stuff around for them. We didn't promote it or tell everybody to go do this. They just did it. I know of a lady that, that volunteers at the um, 383 Fit Closet every week. It's not a place you didn't come here to sign up for it. You just need to go. Go do it. Um, Some of you are coaches. Some of you are teachers. You can be in ministry out with what you're doing. Just go do it. Um, And if you do something and you just want me to pray for you, just let me know and I'll pray for you. If you're doing something, you're like, I I could use some help. Let us know. Maybe we can organize a few people to to join you on your mission and what you're doing. But I'm so excited. I think one of the biggest reasons I'm excited about us relocating is because of the growth that can happen and more missions that we can can support. 
had the privilege of sitting with a friend of mine at lunch um, this last week, and he is a missionary in Southeast Asia. We don't, we don't support anybody in Southeast Asia yet, and I'm excited to get to know him more and for our church to grow so we can pick up more people that we support around the world to add to that list. Um, here's my prayer right now. I'm praying that one of our next missions trips as a church is to the Dominican Republic on a sports missions trip where we can go and play baseball with some of the kids down in the Dominican Republic. I'm just praying for this. I'm giving you all the information I have right now. I have a friend that, that's there and they do a sports trip. So we can send some guys, maybe they're um, kids that play um, baseball or softball and go down there and play ball with kids in the Dominican Republic and then help um, the local churches out in their villages and what they're doing. I'm praying that, that God continues to move through us to do more and more. And as we grow, there's more and more that we can do. For you specifically right now, I think what you can do next is take a bunch of these. We have these cards. There's some on each table as you leave. There's some in the lobby. Um, some of you are going to get some of these in the mail. If you live between um, the bridge on Highway 24 and Walmigo, you're going to get one of these in the mail this week. Hopefully all your neighbors do. You can just tell people, hey, that's the church I go to. But some of you, maybe you need to grab a stack of these and take them to your neighbors. Take them to work with you. Leave them on people's desk. Invite them. This is our Christmas theme, and it's starting next Sunday. And we're going to talk about how that first, Christ first Christmas, we think of it as this, right, the theme Silent Night, but it probably wasn't <laughs> very silent. And our lives, and when we hope for peace and comfort during this time, it usually gets crazier and busier. How do we do this life? So invite somebody. This is a great time to invite people. They're more open to come with you during a Christmas time like this. Invite them. We've asked you to do this before, to bless them. So who are you blessing? When I talk about this, who comes to your mind? Who are you thinking about that needs to be here? How do you bless them? We've worked on this. Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat with them. Um, serve them. And then share your story with them. Invite them to come and be a part of this. If you haven't taken that step, if you still don't know who Jesus is, I want to invite you to come to know him. Our baptistry is, is warm this morning. We're ready for you. If you're ready to take that step for baptism, if not, if you know of somebody else, bring them. Because this message is important. What Jesus did for us, we can't hold it in. We've got to go and share it. But right now, it's our time. It's our time to remember what he did for us. So if you would, let's stand together and prepare our hearts for a time of remembering Jesus.